our reading is John chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this, the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Great. Well, please do keep that sheet in front of you, and why don't we pray as we turn to God's word and ask for his help. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can take this um, short time uh, in the middle of our day to reflect on you and to listen to your word. Father, please would you help us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, John chapter 3, the chapter before the one that's just been read, is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. The verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's one of the most famous verses because it's such a clear summary of what Jesus came to do. But when you get to John chapter 4, John is going to show us that when, when Jesus says whoever, he really means whoever. It's interesting, in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a man called Nicodemus. That's, he's a religious, well-to-do, respected leader. In John chapter 4, he talks to someone very different. And he's going to show us that there is no 
boundary and no restriction on who Jesus came to give eternal life to. It is a beautiful story. And for the next three weeks, we're going to just look at this story together and try and unpack it and understand it together. And I think it will challenge us. Because you probably don't need me to tell you that human beings have a tendency to build barriers between one another. Rather than the open-armed whoever, we tend to be much more restrictive. We tend to like to, to build boundaries that will keep others out. So when I, uh, before I moved to central London, I used to have a garden. Uh, not anymore. But I used to have a garden, and round my garden I put a fence. Why did I put a fence? Well, it was, it was an act of hostility against my neighbours. I mean, gently. But it was, I like you as neighbours, but you're not coming in my garden. This is my space. And as human beings, we can have a tendency to do that. What we see Jesus doing in John chapter 4 is smashing down walls. Smashing through barriers and saying, whoever. Let me show you what I mean as, as we go through the story. Have a look down at, at, at how the story starts. Jesus is in um, Judea, that's down in the south um, of Israel, around where Jerusalem is, and he's down in, in the south. And the Pharisees begin to kind of latch on that there's something going on with this man, Jesus. And they're a little bit concerned about it. So they, um, Jesus catches wind of this and begins to move away. Not because he's scared, but because he's not yet ready for the confrontation with the Pharisees. And what you discover is that all the time, Jesus is in absolute control of where he's going. He knows what he's doing. So in verse Three, we're told, he leaves Judea and he goes once more back to Galilee. Judea's in the south, Galilee's in the north. In order to get to Galilee, Samaria sits in the middle. Now the trouble is that Samaria was full of Samaritans. And the Jews did not get on with the Samaritans. In fact, there was massive hostility. It goes way back into the Old Testament. You don't need to know all of the history, but basically... When Assyria took the northern kingdom into exile, they replaced the people in the northern kingdom with foreigner settlers who settled there, and they were the Samaritans, and they lived there, and they intermarried, and it was all a mess, and they were seen as polluting the land. Now, in order to get from Judea to Galilee, it says in verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, of course, there's two ways to read that. He had to, it was the only possible way. Or he had to because there was someone in Samaria he needed to meet. There was a way around. He could have gone the long way around and avoided Samaria and got to Galilee without going through. But Jesus is intentional in what he's doing. And so he travels through this hostile territory where he, most Jews wouldn't go. Jesus went. And then he gets to this uh, well, and he's tired, and it's noon, it's hot, he's thirsty, and he sits down. Again, this is intentional. He could have found a place out of the way, he could have found a place hidden away from public view, but he sits by the well. And as he's there, 
we're told a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. That's an awkward moment. Ah, this is embarrassing. Because I was just sitting here minding my own business and now this Samaritan woman is coming. Ah, what do I do? Jesus isn't embarrassed. In fact, Jesus addresses her. Again, do you see? He's all the time crossing these boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. And so Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? And then we're told that he's on his own. His disciples have gone into the town to buy food. It's all set up by Jesus, this encounter. And he speaks to this woman, and she knows what he's doing. She understands the walls that he's smashing down, the boundaries that he's crossing to speak to her. That's why she says um, in verse 8, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? You shouldn't do that. There's like a number of reasons why Jesus should not be talking to this woman. She's a Samaritan. That's bad. Also, uh, in that culture, for a man to talk to a woman, that wasn't socially acceptable. And add to that that this woman we're going to discover later on is actually morally dubious in the culture of the day. And yet Jesus addresses her. You see, when Jesus says whoever, he really means whoever. John could not make it more clear. Nicodemus, religious, upright, respectable. And this woman, we don't even know her name. And Jesus speaks to both and offers them both the same thing. So why? Why is it that Jesus treats people like this? Why is it that Jesus says whoever? Well, two main reasons. The first is because we all share a common thirst. We all share, as human beings, we all share a common thirst. You see, Jesus has asked her for a drink, but then suddenly, in verse 10, he starts talking about living water. Can you imagine being that woman? I mean, she'd only gone to get some water. I mean, bless her heart, she didn't realise that she was going to meet the Messiah, the Son of God, sitting by a well. It was quite a shock. And Jesus starts saying things that she can't even begin to compute what he's saying. If you knew the gift of God and who is it asks you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he'd have given you living water. He looks at this woman and says, you have a need that only God can satisfy. But she doesn't, she can't understand. You can see her sort of wrestling with it. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. You haven't got a bucket. I've got a bucket. You haven't. How are you going to get water? I think I'm winning on the water stakes, the woman is kind of saying. Are you greater than our father Jacob? This is, this is Jacob's well. This is a special place. What are you saying? And then Jesus in verse 13, says this very important statement, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And in that one statement, Jesus puts his finger on the problem that we have as human beings, is that we constantly get thirsty. And not just physically thirsty, but a soul thirst. We're longing for something that will satisfy us, and it's so hard. 
And just at that moment when you think you've got it and you think this is the thing that will satisfy me, you find yourself thirsty again. Thirst is a powerful image of what it means to be human. We are thirsty. You see it all over the place. People who are thirsty for pleasure, thirsty for power, thirsty for success. Don't, don't we see this? Don't we see this in our own hearts? I long to be satisfied. And so often I find myself frustrated and disappointed by life. And even when things go well, even when I succeed, it just doesn't satisfy. For this woman, can you imagine the pain that she is experiencing as men have abused her and mistreated her and passed her on and passed her on? And she's desperate. Desperate for something that will satisfy. And she's looking for it in relationships, but it's not there. Have you ever wondered why the world is like that? Why are we like that? Why do we get thirsty? There's an amazing verse in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 2 that says this. God says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God says, I'm the one who's the source of living water, but they've rejected me and they've tried to find water in a muddy, stinky puddle. And it will never satisfy them. And Jesus uses the language of Jeremiah to say, this is the problem. This is why you feel thirsty, because you keep drinking the water of this world and everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. So we share a common problem. And sometimes it's helpful for us just to identify that and to say, that's, that's the struggle that we have. And when you feel that thirst, to recognise that that is a thirst that there's no water in this world that can satisfy. We share a common thirst, but secondly, we need the same living water. So Jesus doesn't just say, well, you're thirsty and you're going to stay thirsty, so there you go. Look what he says in verse, uh, verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Wow. Wow. Just look, you've got to think for a second. Remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, said, my people have committed two sins. They've turned from me, the source of living water. Here comes Jesus. I'll give you living water. It is hard to think of a bigger claim that Jesus could make to be God. Living water, yes, I can give you that. That's his claim. He is directly placing himself in the place of God himself. I am the source of living water. And I am the one, Jesus says, who can satisfy. Because I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one you were made for, Jesus says. 
It's an extraordinary claim. And in some ways we might say, well, that's just nice. I mean, is that just, what, how do we even know that's true? What? Well, it's an extraordinary thing as you go through John's Gospel. When you get to the end of John's Gospel, you see this man, Jesus, hanging on a cross. And do you know what he says as he dies? I am thirsty. As Jesus dies on the cross, he says, I'm thirsty. But I thought you were the source of living water, Jesus. How can you be thirsty if you're the source of living water? Because this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to take our thirst. We turn from God and therefore we are thirsty. But Jesus came so that whoever believes in him would never thirst again. Because at the cross, Jesus experienced the thirst that I deserve. So that he could give me the water, the living water that satisfies. That's why Jesus can make this claim. That's why Jesus can offer our world living water. And that's why Jesus can smash down the barriers. Because it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how respectable you are or how terrible you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter your background, your class, your upbringing, your sex, none of it matters because Jesus says, whoever, whoever, because he came to offer living water to anyone. And so Jesus this afternoon says to us, will you drink? Will you accept my offer? Will you take the living water? you drink of me and as we drink of him let's then be those not who build barriers and push people away and keep people out but let's be those who say whoever this is what it means to be inclusive right this is what it means to welcome anyone this is what it means to share Jesus with the world so why don't we pray and we're going to say thank you to God um, for the living water that Jesus came to, to give. And then we'll come back next week and think some more about the rest of the story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that in this thirsty world, there is living water. Father, we are sorry for all the times when we turn away from you and think that satisfaction is found elsewhere. We're sorry for all the times when we try and drink other things rather than you. Father, we're sorry. And we deserve to be thirsty. But thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross to take our thirst so that we might have living water. And we ask that we might know the reality of that today. That the Lord Jesus would give us living water. That would become satisfying to our very souls forever and ever. Father, thank you. Thank you for the living water there is in Jesus. And we praise you in his name. Amen.